fightthethingmedia.com. The network, oh, without constraints. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Long Term Memory. My name is Jack. And uh, my name's Colin, but after 25-odd episodes or so, I'm sure you know our names by now, but no doubt we'll continue to tell them each week. Jack, how's you? Yeah, I am good, man. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. Uh, looking forward to this week's show. It's, it's it's a good one. You'll be hearing it in the next couple of minutes, but we thought we would just tack some of our usual sort of housekeeping and uh, calls to action onto the start of the podcast because jack you know you know better than md we see the mi we see the analytics people switch off at the end and don't listen to us doing this and it is pretty important isn't it yeah it's pretty important i do look and people listen to about 90 percent of the podcast and then just turn it off at the end and that is totally understandable we all do the same thing so we're just sort of sticking it in here at the beginning the usual guff about leaving reviews five-star ratings, all that sort of stuff really does help us get discovered, basically head up the charts where people will be scrolling down and they might take, oh, I've not seen that before, and give us a little click, and it makes a massive difference to our listening figures and our enjoyment because we are comment whores, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it does make a difference, especially in that iTunes algorithm anyway. We've had 118 reviews or so last time I checked, and that means we do feature on the front page of iTunes fairly regularly, and that does bring eyes to the pod and lets the audience grow and lets our voices go out to more people, which is, is what we want. So you can play your part in helping us with that by, like Jack says, leaving a review. Um, leaving a comment on the review is even better and also just telling your friends about the podcast um, it's free to listen to obviously um, they can get involved, uh, just search for Wrong Term Memory on their podcast and it will pop up Yeah we do this we do this for fun basically and we have never made a penny from this and this is going to sound a little bit oh, woe us, but it's actually costing us money to make the pods with editing and having to buy new equipment and stuff like that, so what we're doing is we're asking you to go on to wrongtermmemory.com and if you scroll down to the bottom, there's going to be a couple of buttons in the website footer, basically, Colin, so there is. Yeah, there is. Um, listen, um, you've got the option to leave a donation if you enjoy what you're listening to, um, if you've enjoyed the content and hopefully going to enjoy future content and you want to support the pod. One of the ways you can do that is by going to the website and looking at those two donate buttons. There's one for PayPal and there's one for buymeacoffee.com or you can just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash wrong term memory and give us a pound, give us two pounds, just be the equivalent of buying us a beer or buying us a coffee. Um, we both got full-term jobs. This this isn't what this is all about, but we would like to try and get some new equipment, some new microphones, um, some new stuff software-wise, just to improve some of the editing and the sound and hopefully do more effects and more stuff like that. Um, we've got stuff we want to do to try and make it sound better and improve it. Unfortunately, these things are expensive and we've got other bills to pay, so... We don't expect anything whatsoever. However, if you do want to donate, the option's there for you, but no pressure whatsoever. The pods will continue regardless. Yeah, if you can spare a, a couple of quid, it would mean a hell of a lot. And now that people have been turning off at the end of podcasts, they're now just clicking the skip 30 seconds button until they hear the tune. We are back for part four of our deep dive into fallacies with Colin and Alex. How are you two guys getting there? 
Yeah, very good. Enjoying this very much so. We're learning stuff every episode. So we may as well just dive straight in, Alex. This yes. one is pretty simple. This is one that annoys that annoys me because it happens all the time. Basically, the fallacy of quoting out of context. I know yeah. it's quote mining, basically. So where you just basically fucking pick a bit out of a thing and then quote it out of context, it's relatively simple, this one, I think. Yeah, yeah, everybody will know exactly where you're coming from with this. Um, You've got anybody saying just about anything, especially in the public eye, which is where this is most, uh, not mostly used, but certainly where we see most examples of it. Um, You know, they'll have a meaning for something that they say, but it's easy to take selective parts of anybody's kind of statements, overall uh, speeches, whatever it might be, and twist that. It's, it's very easy to do. It's how it's how the media get their headlines, isn't it? It's what they do. Um, it's what politicians do when they're trying to have uh, a bit of a go at someone's argument. They'll pick out a little bit of it, um, the bit that seems the most, that's, you know, linked to a straw man fallacy, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. The bit that seems the most ridiculous or the easiest to attack, they'll just talk about that rather than the whole context, the whole meaning, uh, the whole argument. Um, or, you know, if you're talking about people in, in kind of prominent positions, you might just use one statement that they've made uh, to try and make them look like an absolute idiot when everything else they've said might be absolutely spot on. Um, so, yes, yeah, as I said, as you say, out of context. Um, it doesn't always mean... You know, taking out of context doesn't always mean that it's completely wrong, I don't think, guys, but you would agree that it's not something that you should use as the basis for your belief on what someone has said. No, it should probably be your it should probably be your um, kickstart to then go and maybe look into something in a bit more detail to find out more about it rather than yeah. just hearing that one thing and that's your mindset up and then your next thing you would normally do is go tell everybody that thing yeah and the that's biggest, how this sort of stuff yeah. travels isn't it the biggest thing that you see these days and it's very very common now especially online how easy is it to stick up a headline a, a bit of clickbait that's essentially what quote that's out what of context it, is yeah, as, you know? yeah um stick up a headline that makes something sound like one thing and when you actually read the full quote uh, article whatever it might be it turns out that that headline is, is pretty much nonsense. It's got nothing to do with absolutely anything that was really being said. But it's easy to put in there. It's, it's justifiable to put up, but it is quoting out of context. Um, and, you know, people use that clickbait one way or the other, don't they? They can use it to, to get your attention in a positive way almost, uh, to make something sound a lot more exciting than it actually is. Or the far more common way, they can use it to try and, you know, kind of shock you or, um, you know, kind of say something controversial that will get, grab your attention. So, yeah, clickbait is exactly that. That's probably where we see this most now. Yeah, people will, again, there's an exception, people will, you will hear the term, or you're taking that out of context, usually to soften an argument that they're making that's out of order or maybe hard to swallow, whereas they can't really explain adequately how it makes sense in any other context yeah. if somebody says something racist or you, you've taken it out of context yeah, well, explain yeah. how we have like, yeah, explain how the context makes that sure. any better yes. uh-huh. yeah that can be done yeah so as I said yeah it's not always a case that, that taking something out of context 
um, or just taking a part of what someone has said. It's not always the case that that automatically means that you should just discount that. Uh, and that's a great example there, Jack. But but yeah, um, it, it's very much worth, as Colin said, always reminding yourself that it's worth looking at what was fully said rather than just this excerpt. Um, and it might be that your initial reaction was spot on, uh, but I'll bet a lot of the time, a hell of a lot of the time, in fact, you'll read a headline, you'll see something that's dragged you in, and then when you actually read that or take the time to read it, you'll be like, well, my initial thoughts on that were nonsense, you know? I suppose when you're speaking about headlines and stuff like that, it sort of leads kind of neatly on to the next one, where it's just a false dilemma, false dichotomy, basically. Black or white file, I say, well, there's two alternatives are given as the only possible options, when in reality there's, there's a middle ground. We spoke about middle ground. So there are people who constantly sort of engage in this black and white thinking you know and our phrase is there's lots of grey areas and that does tend to be the case quite a lot politicians will use this Alex you mentioned politicians yeah you're either with us or against us well I think this is good for us in terms of recent recent uh, debates and political debates in Scotland which has changed a fair bit um, in maybe the last what seven eight years um, in terms of how things are spoken about up here, um, you, you're either this or that. You know, if you don't yeah. support the SNP, you are a Tory. You know, that, that, how many times have you heard that? Right? If you, you're either, you know, no true Scotsman or would do this. That's in fact, I think there's a fallacy called the no true Scotsman fallacy, but <laughs> I mean, that's that's something slightly different. But in this case, it's you're either, you know, you either believe this or you are not part of that group, or, you know, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's as if there's no middle ground. Um, and sadly, what that ends up leading to, guys, I don't know if you agree with us, I think that ends up leading to there being less middle ground. Because if you are constantly told that, you know, you're not wanted as part of this group because you don't believe this part, you sort of turn to the, the other extreme more often. You sort of retreat into that. You know, um, I can see, I genuinely believe that such has been, for example, the reaction to people who aren't pro-independence in Scotland. Um, just because they're not pro-independence doesn't mean they're pro-union. You know, there's there's plenty of reasons not to think that independence is a good idea in Scotland. But what I think has happened is that people have been so against that. People have made such a big deal about you not being pro-independence that people who maybe were somewhere in the middle have became pro-union, whereas before maybe they were sort of ambivalent about it all, you know, where you might have been able to convince them with good arguments that independence was a good idea, but now you've put them in this camp where they're just like, no, never, doesn't matter what you say. Um, and I think that actually leads to that quite a bit, this thing. Um, this is where, for me, this is one of the more dangerous ones these days because, as we spoke about earlier, there isn't as much compromise, there isn't as much nuance in debate as there, there, there should be. I don't know if there ever was, let's be honest, I'm not sure, but um, there's not as much as there should be. And it leads to these kind of two real divided camps. People will want to put, they want to put their flag down somewhere, don't they? Um, and if one person's not, you know, if one group's not going to let you do it there, you'll go to the other one that will. Well, that's it. Colin, is this a, a case of being othered in inverted commas where here I am white in this sense 
Therefore, you're black, so you are othered. You are treated like a dickhead, like a scumbag, because you are not in that very specific camp or belief sector, whatever. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a... When you come up against an argument like that, where things are such black and white, there's almost a bit of fear or fear to actually be in the middle of it because you end up copping it from both sides. And you've actually got two completely opposite people both telling you that you're a dick <laughs> because you don't swing one way or the other. And I think that will lead to some people jumping one way or the other just to have to have some backup more than anything. And I do think you see that on online and Discord online and arguments. You don't often see somebody saying, you know what, I can see both sides of this argument. I'm going to sit back and just enjoy this. You don't get that. You just get jumped in on one side or the other. And I suppose that comes from not wanting to be a victim of this fallacy. This is why the Lib Dems never get anywhere. Genuinely. Yeah, that's a good This is why the Liberal actually, Democrats yeah. never get anywhere. It's because, in their opinion, you look left, you look right, and then you make your decision. And, and they say that, you know, that's why it's been one of their phrases in the past. You look left, you look right, and then you cross the road. Yeah. Um, you know, they want to see arguments on both sides of the camp and then kind of take it from there and, and see what seems to be best from that. Um, it's not. It seems to be something that people don't really want to do. They just want to um, kind of, you know, have things explained to them that seem to fit their belief either one way or the other, and the nuance is kind of lost a lot of the time. Much like you know other arguments, politics is quite emotional, so it doesn't really um, doesn't really fit the the old uh, logical arguments a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, the false dilemma, which is exactly what it sounds like, you are taking what could be numerous options and breaking it down to option A or option B are the only ones that exist, which isn't the case. Again, these are actually running quite nicely together then. Historical fallacies, Nick, so you're, you're taking a set of considerations that's thought to hold good only because it was completed over generations or whatever, so tradition. So I suppose sticking with the politics thing, um, for five generations, my family has voted Labour. Therefore, I must vote Labour. But do you want to vote Labour? Doesn't it really matter because it's tradition. Is that again? Is that something that can be maybe not dangerous, but you know what I mean? Where you just you just do it because it's been done for a long time. Hello friends, Colin here, the looks, the charm and the brains behind Drunk Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate Life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrongtermemory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. Yes. Um, if... I think this happens a lot, actually, um, in life and sometimes not questioned enough. If, if the main reason for doing something is that's the way it's always been done um, and not that's the best way to do it, 
then yes, that's that's where this becomes a bit of a problem, and you see this, um, as you said, various ways. That that example you've given is almost a, a you know, it's not quite a, it's almost a, a softer one in, in some ways. But if you can you can think of various things, can't you? Where it's been that's just been the way of it for for so long. Um, it's traditional. It's that's what we do, and it might not actually be better for you to do that you know it might be that you need to break that tradition and that will give you and everybody else the best uh, outcome but because you're talking about it it's a kind of fall- a fallacy a argument of oh but you know and it's it's tradition and traditions should be upheld as tradition should be upheld as a, a fallacy of an argument there and straight away you know that 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 there that phrase is as a fallacy traditions should be upheld um only if they're only if they're good. There's plenty of things that used to be pretty much accepted behaviour for decades and centuries that we have ditched, and for good reason, you know. Um, if I get back to tradition and somebody wants to start putting leeches on me anytime I feel sick, I think I'm probably going to uh, say that that's not going to work. Yeah, they're a hard thing to move because there's a lot of these that are still around for absolutely no reason. Like, So one for me that I always got in my soapbox about because I hate dressing up smart as a tie. The, the, the whole concept of a tie was invented because they hadn't invented buttons yet. Oh, and they had, to keep, buttons they had to keep your shirt attached. Yeah. Um, but people now still stick their butt, stick their shirt on, button up their buttons, and then add their tie. Um, so, so sure, there's some fashion, there's people wanting to be in a suit and all that sort of stuff. I get that. But the whole concept of a tie is a traditional thing. But it's a, it was a tradition for a reason in that it kept your shirt on you. It doesn't need that anymore, but it's still a thing. Yeah, get rid of, get rid of it. <laughs> Actually, there's a really good kind of almost flip side to that when people argue for and against school uniform, right? And some people will, some people just talk about a kind of traditional side of things when it when it comes to that. But one of the more logical arguments for it is to say, well, this means that teachers and people outside of that school can identify that these are people who are in that school. And, and sometimes from a safety perspective, that's actually a good thing. Whereas if everybody was just walking about wearing whatever they liked, you wouldn't know, would you? Yeah. So, you know, that could that can lead to some problems, obviously. So, you know, the school uniform is a way for everybody to say, OK, that, that, that child is going to that school. That's where they should be, that's, you know, et cetera. And yes, that can lead to some problems as well, but it can also be... That can also be a positive. Um, but if your argument for school uniform is, well, it's traditional, I had to do it, so you should have to do it, that's a poor argument. I suppose it's obviously fucking bullying and stuff like that as well, you know, like just if you've not got the best of gear, if you could wear what you want, you might just exactly. get called. Yeah, that's another great example. That's another great argument, sorry, for, for school uniform. Yeah, it, it sort of takes away, I know it takes away individuality, and I get that, I understand that, but it also takes away... The, the biggest thing that's the problem at that age for people is differences, isn't it? You know, yeah. they're, they're looking for it. They're always looking for it. Kids, it's just what you do. It's part of the growing up process. Um, and as you say, Jack, it, it can kind of minimise that at least, which can be a good thing. Uh, so, yeah, th- th- those things are, you know, from that perspective, the, the historical fallacy would come in if you were saying, well, they used to wear uniform and everything was fine then, so they should be wearing it now. That might not be the case. If you're using the other arguments we've just spoken about, that's the way you would want to approach that sort of debate. Colin, you're a big fan of Kurt Cobain? Um, 
No, not, not really. Didn't think so. Not, not, really. not, <laughs> not my bag at all. They're doing this one anyway, so. Yeah, so. Um, I feel sorry for him. Like, it's never good to have your wife kill you. Um, but <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, it's not good. But this next one is the Nirvana fallacy, uh, the perfect solution fallacy. Um, solutions to problems are rejected because they are not perfect. So wearing a non-medical grade mask will not protect me or others from COVID. Now, while wearing a mask does not provide 100% protection, it does provide some protection. Some protection is better than none, especially when the virus is not under control. What do you think of that one? This one I had this happened. argument today with somebody online. This oh, there's an inside how Jack spends his days. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, like, to be fair, mate, you, you, you both know me. I tend not to engage a lot yeah. with oh, a lot of these... The last yeah. week or so, you went mental with it? Yeah, well, because it, <laughs> it all kicked off. For people that don't know, there was a, a racism storm uh, in a football game involving Rangers only last week, and all the fucking idiots come out they would work, and I just couldn't kind of hold myself back. And I kind of started to enjoy it a little bit. Like, actually, I can see why people get engaged, because... You can, yes, I'm an idiot that way. Yes, it <laughs> can, can be enjoyable. But, like, I, w- I would never... I would never do that, but yes, this um, I had this argument today, basically, with a guy who said um, COVID nineteen's got a ninety nine point eight percent survival rate. Why? Why? Why would I get vaccinated? Basically, like that 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 was his argument because I don't know what what his perfect solution was, but it was that he was looking for this this bliss that just isn't isn't there the vaccine's a great example actually because basically you know one of the biggest arguments is people saying oh it's only 60 percent effective so what's the point and and masks or they don't they don't protect us all or you know the two meter distancing doesn't stop it if you're if the solution has to be 100 percent completely killing it or you know nothing at all that, that that's what they're saying if it doesn't if, you need if the to vaccine, stay in a fucking airtight yeah. container for the Exactly. Oh. Yeah, everybody, everybody would have to walk about in bubbles and would have to kill just about every virus going. Uh, but, but yeah, that's what it is. That's what they're looking at. It's, it's basically this notion that something must be useless or can't be of any worth because it doesn't come up with the absolute, I mean, 100% perfect result. Oh. Um, and you see, and and you know, that's this is happening a lot recently when it comes to things like, you know, masks distancing the vaccine when it comes to to covid no one says no one i've not well i've never heard an argument i don't know if you guys have i've never heard anybody saying the flu jab's a waste of time right well that was if, that's what i can i said to him look covid 19 is six times more likely to kill you than the flu are you are you suggesting that we just stop vaccinating for flu because it's only got a 0.04 percent fatality rate the flu he's, actually, he's actually not got back to me yet. But. No, he won't, <laughs> probably. Um, but, you know, the, the flu jabs, no one's really ever been against that. Now, there are other arguments. I'm not going to sit here and, and try and claim to be an expert. There are other arguments against the, the vaccination for, for COVID-19. So I'm not, you know, just being dismissive of all of them, but I'm being dismissive of the one that says, well, it's not got a 100% success rate, so what's the point in it? Um Nobody was saying that about the flu jab, which doesn't either. You know, you'll still catch a flu, but the flu jab, but it will just lessen the impact. That's pretty much what this is as well. But for some reason, when people heard vaccine, they expected a 100% kill rate. I think. I think the language being used has gave a 
a false sense of, of what's possible. I don't know if you guys agree, but people have heard COVID vaccine and in their heads, vaccine means getting rid of it altogether. Yeah. yeah, eliminates it, which has never been the case. And if the language you used and, and the, the kind of expectations about it had been a bit more like, this will be like the flu jab, this will give people less in the impact. And if it impacts a lot less, that means we can get back to a sense of normality without it being as dangerous. Because that's all we're doing here, really, is that, you know, for the people who, for, for which COVID is dangerous, they have got far greater chance of catching this because it's so much more, you know, uh, transmittable or so so much more easy to catch than the likes of the flu or anything else. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're protecting them. But uh, we haven't really described it as that. We've said it's a COVID vaccine. And I think people have taken that word to mean it must get rid of it completely, which was never, ever going to happen. But sadly, that leads to this fallacy where people are like, well, it doesn't get rid of it completely. So what's the point? Um, that's you know, what I'm you not... say, Colin, that like striving for that perfection. Like, have a go at it, man. Like, try and get it up to that. But in what, 99, again, I'm just flagging numbers out here, in 99.9% of cases, you cannot get to that perfect conclusion. You, can, you just can't. Um, and if you are going to hold out for that eventual goal, it's never going to come for you. And you know what? The thing that's sixty percent or seventy percent good, it's probably just about right. It's probably enough for you. It's you're not missing out by going for that. Um, it's I don't know. It's that that's even this is probably a deeper psychological thing than any of these fallacies. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like in many ways you can almost apply the Nirvana fallacy as well to the all cops are bastards line. There's a few fallacies going on there, by the way, some of which we've already covered as well. But uh, see something like that, that that kind of line, because, you know, not every policeman or the whole system isn't perfect. Therefore, it must all be shit. Um, that, that, you know, there's a few fallacies that falls into, and this is kind of one of them. Yeah. What's, the point, um, what's the point I'm making of challenging 25 when you go to shop? Kids are still going to manage to get drink anyway. Hmm. Like, that's not what we're trying. That's not what we're trying to do by challenging 25. We're trying to reduce that, make it a bit of a deterrent, but we're not abolishing it completely. We've seen how that fucking went in America all those years ago. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely... Be even worse now, Jack. It'd be even worse. I think, I, think, um, I think challenge 25 as well is actually, it's a bit of a smart law to help the sale the salespeople actually because they can get in a lot of trouble for selling to somebody under 18, whereas it's a lot easier to identify somebody being over 25 than somebody being over 18, I think. So I sometimes that law is just a bit of safeguarding for them, I think. You guys are a few years younger than me, but you might remember, I remember when it changed from, I think, 21 to, I think, 25, and people were a bit like, come on now. But it's actually, as you say, Colin, a good idea. It protects protects people um, from, from making mistakes that they wouldn't want to make. So, so yeah, I think it's something, it's one of those things that actually has worked, and we now just accept it. You know, what was the, when was the last time either of you guys got ID'd buying something? I genuinely don't think I have, like, in an off sales, ever been ID'd. <laughs> um, I'm not, the last time I was was in Orlando Airport buying beer, um, but they also ID'd my 80 year old father in law in that airport because right. they have to ID people. Um, yeah. It's, so that's a different thing then, really, yeah. yeah. Actually, my, my, wife, my wife's 42 and she gets ID'd quite often by a drink, which is lovely, lovely for her. <laughs> oh, lucky me as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right, we'll wrap that up. 
uh, as part four, and we will be back with you soon. So again, cheers, Alex Colin. Cheers. Really quick call to arms. If you liked it, please let others know. You can do that by leaving a review, leaving a comment, and telling your friends about the podcast. If you really like it, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash wrong term memory. the best pods in the best network quite the thing media.com